Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of A Cincy Fan Talking, where you get to hear about half an hour of A Cincy Fan Talking. Appreciate you guys coming back and checking out another episode. You can always chit-chat with me on days that are not a Tuesday. Um, that's Cincy underscore fan talk on Twitter. Um, always check me out there. Um, the NFL went ahead and tried to tweak the Rooney rule. Um, a lot of people didn't like it. I got to say, I'm kind of half and half on that. If you didn't hear what happened, um, the NFL went ahead and took basically their stance on affirmative action, trying to get um, people of color jobs that are not wide receiver or running back or cornerback and get them jobs, you know, head coach, um, general manager, stuff like that. That's, that's the plan. But if you've seen an NFL game or if you, or if you follow an NFL team, you know that this doesn't happen. So they're basically trying to not really force NFL teams to do it because let's be real. You can't force, you can't really force anybody. I mean, you buy an NFL team or if you own an NFL team, you can't really force people to hire anybody. You got to understand that. I mean, you got to respect that. But at the same time, they're trying to incentivize it and they're trying to put little things inside of it. For instance, um, from what I read, um, they're making it so that every team has to start their own, um, what they're calling it, some type of um, coaching type of academy where people of color have to be part of this. And they're tweaking some of their rules where instead of interviewing one person of color, you have to interview two people of color. They were about to go ahead and incentivize it even more and give, you know, slide you up in the um, on the third round, slide you up in the draft picks. But they decided not to do that. To me, and as always, it's just me personally. It's, it's, it's just so American. I mean, because if you don't do stuff like this, then the NFL never moves forward. Once you start doing stuff like this, and you get somebody that goes through the ranks and they become, a, they become an NFL coach, they become a general manager, people are looking at this person and they're saying, oh, we know why you got here. Oh, this is a Rooney Rule guy or this is a Rooney Rule girl. And, I mean, it's, it's, just, it's just such an American thing to do. I mean, it really is. And you got to think about it. You really got to think about this. If you have to force an institution to do something like this. You're basically out and out saying that this institution is a little bit racist. I mean, you got to put it out there. And maybe you don't call it racist. Maybe what you call it instead is, yeah, let's not necessarily call it racist. It's, it's not as inclusive as it should be. It's not as inclusive <laughs> as it should be. That's basically what it is, because you think about it. In order to get entry for the jobs that you want, most people have to know somebody. 
it's very rare that you can walk into a job, resume in hand, and somebody goes, hey, on resume alone, we feel like you're the strongest person for the job. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. It definitely happens. But normally, you know somebody that helps you get a foot in the door. And then your resume sells you. And that's how everything else works out. And I'm guessing when it comes to the NFL, those those higher crust jobs, offensive coordinator, head coach, assistant GM, GM, stuff like that, is more than just a resume. You have to fit in. I mean, you just do. We're talking an entire team, an entire front office. There's an entire culture that you have to fit in with. So I get that there are 32 owners that are going like, I'm not just going to pick you because you're a minority. I'm going to pick the best person that fits my multi-million, in some cases, billion-dollar industry. I'm not just going to let you choose who's part of my squad. And I definitely get that. If <laughs> if I have an NFL team, nobody's just going to go ahead and tell me, hey, um, you got to fill a quota, sir. Sorry, LP. I'm looking like, what? Like, I bought this team. I get to do what I want to do. So I understand that. But at the same time, you have to understand the optics of the situation. When you're looking at, you're looking at your league, and your league is almost exclusively African-American. But everyone running it is not. There is a problem, no matter how you slice it. And I get that you want to run things your way. I get that. And you should be allowed to. But at some point, you have to look at yourself and you have to go, am I giving everybody a fair shot? And this doesn't start at the top. This doesn't start at the very beginning. This starts way down in the lower stages. This starts ages 16, 17, 18. This starts, this starts off like who you're bringing in as an intern. Like, who are the interns that you're bringing in? <laughs> who are the ball boys that you're bringing in? Like, who are these people that you're giving first access to your team? To the inner workings of the team. This stuff counts because the access, it gives you that that leeway. It gives you those openings to see how everything works. I mean, when I became a teacher, I got to see how everything worked long before I became a teacher. I got to see the inside of things and I got to know other teachers from other districts. So when it came time for me to become a teacher, it wasn't just me showing my resume. It was me showing my resume to people that knew me. Made it much easier to get a job. So when you're a 25, 26, 28, 30-year-old offensive coordinator that might be black, and you're showing your resume off and you're showing your tape off to people that don't know you, you have no way to really get that job. But let's say you're a 30-year-old white guy. You really don't have an edge over that black guy. 
But at the same time, you were a ball boy for like the local football team back in the day. They remember you. Access. So then you can kind of start your journey. And that's the small stuff that people of color really don't get access to. We just don't. We don't we don't get those hookups. And that's what a lot of people don't understand. Like, we don't want to be given jobs. Like, don't just give me the job. Like, I don't want you to just throw me a job. Throw me the same opportunities that everybody else gets. When those internships come around, let's make sure that everybody gets the same shot if we all have the same resume. That's basically what we've been asking for for years. And that's what this Rooney Rule is about. It's going to be painted as, hey, let's go ahead and hop the black people and the women and the Latinos in line first. And it's not really like that. What it really is, is these are the people that's been looked over for decades. And they've had the same types of resumes as those same seven or eight people that get fired every two or three years, but they keep getting recycled. So Coach X gets fired by the Bills, hops over to the Dolphins. (laughs) Gets fired by the Dolphins, hops over to the Lions. Gets fired by the Lions, takes a couple years off, takes a college job, quits the college job, comes back, starts coaching the Cardinals. This is what we see all of the time. Meanwhile, person of color is an offensive coordinator for like nine or ten years waiting for a shot. And it's ridiculous. So, I mean, to basically sum it up, it's like we get that owners get to do what they want to do because they earned a right. It's their dough. But... If everybody really deserves a shot, if you have all of these people of color breaking limbs and breaking kneecaps and all of that stuff for you, then maybe just maybe they're smart enough to do the job off the field too. So let's see if we can get everybody a shot. And that's basically what we're seeing here. This is just a sensey fan talking. We'll be right back. Yeah, yeah, we back to a Cincy fan talking where you get to hear a Cincy fan talking. Um, baseball trying to come back. And I said like that, baseball trying to come back. I I've always been a baseball fan, even as for me, basketball and I guess you can say football has kind of taken over more than baseball for me has. Baseball has always kind of been like that sport. My my uncle, you know, rest in peace to my uncle, he got me started on, on baseball as, as a very, very, very young kid. Made me play on all of his baseball teams starting like age six. So he made me do it at first to the point where I wanted to start doing it and kept doing it. So 
Baseball has always been a first love of mine. But after reading what they're trying to do to come back, like, yo, real, <laughs> it's, 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 it's kind of laughable. And this is before they even, like, clear the whole money aspect, which is a whole different thing. And we'll get into that in a second. This is just the stuff on the field. Um, MLB released a 67-page draft about what needs to happen on and off the field. Um, they're banning teams from eating at restaurants on road trips. Spitting is prohibited. No using saunas, steam rooms, pools. Um, they're discouraging hitting in indoor cages. And if you do, batting gloves are encouraged. Batting practice pitchers need to wear masks. Um, dugout telephones disinfected after each use. Players may not touch their face to give signs. And they're not allowed to lick their fingers. Teams are encouraged to hold meetings outdoors with players spread apart. <laughs> Seats in the empty stands near the dugouts need to be used to maintain distance. So they're not even seeing they're not even sitting in the dugouts. They're basically sitting in the stands. Fielders are encouraged to retreat several steps away from the base runner between pitches. First and third base coaches are not to approach base runners or umpires, and players should not socialize with opponents. <laughs> I mean, it's laughable. No high fives, no fist bumps, no hugs, um, no Ubers, no subways, no public buses, private airports encouraged, in-flight catering limited. Six staggered bus trips will be scheduled to and from the park. And they're checking temperatures in the whole nine yards. <laughs> what happens? Oh, and on top of that, they're they're tossing the baseballs after multiple players touch them. So I guess if more than four or five people touch the baseballs, they're just gonna throw away that baseball and use another baseball. Which begs the most obvious question. If all of this needs to happen in order to play baseball, should you be playing baseball? Like, is it worth it? And and I get what everybody is saying. You know, for symbolic purposes, you know, watching baseball players come back and play, and play baseball, it makes everything feel normal again and yada, yada, yada. But is that what you need? Do you need Major League Baseball players risking their lives on on a baseball diamond to feel normal. Like, is that what you need? Because I tell a baseball player quick, like, look, I'm staying indoors, and when I go out, I'm wearing a mask to go to Kroger. Like, I'm masked up to go to Sam's Club. Like, like I had to move. Like, <laughs> the wife and I... No, we're getting like a, a new couch or whatever. 
moving the old couch out. You know, the wife and myself, you know, we're tussling with it because, you know, the wife is, you know, she's the wife. You know, she can't really lift stuff like that. My next door neighbor comes from across the um the street to try to help. And honestly, the first thing that I thought was, should he really be doing this? That was my very first thought. I was like, should he be walking over here? And, you know, I eventually got over that because I really needed to get that couch out of my house. <laughs> and my wife, she was, she's a trooper. But she was like, look, I'm not much help right now. <laughs> she was just honest, like, look, I can't really help you too much right now. But that was my thought. That was my whole thought process at first. I'm like, should he be over here? And he was just trying to be helpful. And that's somebody just doing like a neighborly deed. It's just somebody coming over and trying to help you. You got baseball players playing other baseball players. I mean, they might know and they might not know. But they don't know what they do when they leave for their other games. I mean, you can't really, like, legislate what grown men and, like, coaches and trainers, you can't legislate what they do after the game. You can't make sure that they don't ride an Uber or that they don't go to a restaurant. Like, you can't legislate their social life. And that's the thing about this. You know, we as fans... We we just want to go like, look, I want my baseball. I want my football. I want my basketball. I want to feel normal again. But but what is that? What was normal to you before this? You turning on a baseball game? That was normal, right? That won't be the same for a while. And even when it comes back, it won't look the same. Like, what we need to do now is we need to take that word normal and just kind of throw it out. Because we're not going to see normal again. Not the way that we saw it before. I mean, think of this as kind of like our 9-11. Like, you know, when you watch the movie Home Alone and you saw, like, Kevin's family running through the airport and they just all got on the plane, nobody stopped them, nobody made sure that they took their shoes off and their belt off or nothing like that. That was normal back then. That was their normal. That was our normal. Normal now is you get to the airport an hour or two early to make sure you take off your shoes and you take off your belt, make sure everything is out of your pockets, turn off your cell phone, all of that. That's normal now. And we got used to that. So we can definitely adapt. Like all those rules that I read, they sound absolutely crazy. They sound ridiculous. But we can adapt to those rules. Like we'll be okay. The question is, is it worth it right now? Like is it worth it right now to put men out there to play a game to make you feel like things are okay. Like, is it worth it? And if the answer is yes, then the next question is, 
do you really feel like these players should get paid for that? <laughs> and for everything that I just read, the answer would have to be yes. Because what I just read was absolutely ridiculous. Who would do all of that and get their pay sliced twice? <laughs> Which is what the owners are asking the players to do. Do all of that. Hey, pitcher, that's been like licking your lips before, licking your hands before every single pitch since you were 13 years old. Make sure you don't lick your lips and lick your, lick your fingers before you pitch this year. And throw your entire rhythm off for the entire year. Oh, yeah. Remember that 50-50 split we talked about? Remember you, like, losing half of your money? Now you're going to lose, like, 70% of your money. Play ball. Who would agree to that? That's absolutely ridiculous. So, if you want your quote-unquote normal baseball to come back, you need to support these players. And stop acting like it's a millionaire versus billionaire struggle. Because these players are basically about to get hosed in this deal. And these owners are using the fans as leverage. So, watch your six out there, fans. Like, for real. Guys, got to be on that. Just a sensey fan talk. We'll be right back. And we back here with a Sensi fan talking. Go ahead and catch us on that Twitter. That's Sensi underscore fan talk. I hope y'all caught the last dance. Uh, it was definitely worth the five nights over a month and close to a half, ten episodes. I mean, I gave it an eight. It was it it was solid. It was really really good. I mean, I I mean, it's just me talking. But I didn't think it was, like, the absolute best basketball documentary I've ever seen. I mean, I'm going to hold that up to Hoop Dreams, and there's a couple others out there. But it was a very good doc. It was very good. I mean, it was really, really good. I did feel like I knew, like, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily call it, like, suspenseful i mean everybody knows everybody knew what was gonna happen i mean they gave really good backstories to like steve kerr they kind of let you know about him they let you know about dennis rodman scotty pippen you know that was what i was there for that was what i really wanted to see i mean michael jordan came out of one dimensional and when you really think about it that's not surprising. I mean, it was it was the 90s and we didn't have Twitter and YouTube and Facebook and stuff like that. So, I mean, you don't get to know athletes the way you get to know athletes now. So, you don't get to know every single thing about the athletes. That being said, for him to transcend the way that he did was absolutely crazy in an age where you see athletes on the television playing basketball like maybe two or three times a week 
Like, maybe. <laughs> you know, we saw Jordan, NBC, you know, Sundays. <laughs> Definitely. And then, you know, you might have saw him a couple of times a week if you had cable. But that was it. So for him to do what he did without those mediums that we have in place today was absolutely insane. Speaking as a Pacers fan, he just pissed me off. <laughs> Speaking as a Jazz fan, he pissed me off. Like, that's, that's just being real. But, you know, you you got to respect the fact that he was the GOAT. Like, even watching him then, we knew he was the GOAT. Like, this was me being like 11, 12 years old and then carrying that on to college. Like, we knew he was the GOAT. Like, we watched that... Um, we watched that final shot, like, 1998. We watched that, like, summertime after our freshman year, like, in college. Like, <laughs> we watched that. We was like, man, hey, he the GOAT. Like, he and I take another shot again ever in life. Like, that man going to be the best forever. So, I mean, I definitely give it an eight. I mean, it could have been a little bit better, but it's MJ. So, it was already better. So <laughs> that that was it was it was really really good. Still Saudi at ESPN for like basically pimping us and stretching it out the way that they did. They used this pandemic to their advantage and you got to give them credit for that. <clears throat> Sorry about that. You got to give them credit for that because they know there's nothing on television, especially Sunday night, nine o'clock. They made sure they moved that puppy up. Smart move, sharp move. Got to give it to him for that. Um, so this means now that Insecure slides back up for us to 10 o'clock instead of, you know, like recording it and watching it at 11. <laughs> so um, the episode uh, that came on Sunday night was basically all Issa's perspective. Um, and it was really, really good. You know, she was kind of rolling through L.A. just with a weird vibe, you know trying to help people out and, you know, getting weird energy back and, you know, just trying to figure out if she should reach out. And she didn't. And it was probably best that she didn't because you don't really want those like Hollywood Disney type things and something that you're trying to make authentic like Insecure is. And if it's really authentic, nobody's reaching out, not immediately. You're going to wait that out. And I think Kelly said something, you know, her friend Kelly said something that was like really like really smart. You know, she, you know, cause Issa's like, you know, I hope you give a Molly the same energy, you know, you, you sweating me about calling or I hope you, you know, giving her the same energy. And Kelly's like, you know, I'm telling her the same thing, but you know, me and my friend, you know, we, <laughs> I I waited too long and she waited too long and we almost didn't come back from that. And when you think about it, that's kind of how friendship is. You know, sometimes you get a little proud and sometimes your friend gets a little proud. And it's like, who's going to care enough about the friendship first to be like, look, my bad. I shouldn't have said what I said and I shouldn't have did what I did to give the other person a permission to be like, 
I shouldn't have said what I said and I shouldn't have did what I did either. You know, to kind of throw that olive branch, you know, extend that out. But that pride kind of gets in the way. And when that happens, people kind of get set in their ways. Next thing you know, it's been five or six years. You forgot what you were fighting about. But, you know, you're not talking to that friend anymore. So I felt like what she said was like, it it was, it was really, it was really smart. And I think it's something that Issa really needed to hear. Um, the next episode, it looks like it's going to be from Molly's perspective. It'll be really interesting to see, you know, her viewpoint. I really like how Insecure does that. They give you all of the viewpoints of the situation and they let you decide who's right. They don't really pick for you. Like they don't, they don't shift you one way or the other. Because in real life, it's all gray. There's very rarely any black or white. It's always kind of sort of gray. So I'll definitely be checking out on Sunday um, at the right time. So I'll I'll be on that. Um, I'll be looking for some other shows to watch as well. Um, Showtime, is at, they have an impressive lineup of shows. Um, I haven't checked too many of them out yet. Um, I'm going to try out Penny Dreadful City of Angels. Um, um, from the trailer I saw, it looks like it might be pretty interesting. Really don't get into the supernatural too much, but from what this looks like, it might be pretty good. It's set in the 1930s or 1940s or something like that, um, in Los Angeles. And it's like police officers are looking for a killer with like a supernatural twist. So... It it looks interesting. If anybody's heard about it, uh, kind of send me a tweet or something like that. Let me know what you think. Um, I'm going to check out an episode or two and kind of see what it's about. Um, I found a lot of good shows this way. I found a lot of trash shows this way. <laughs> so um, we'll see how it goes. Um, it's summertime for LP and summertime means basically... Um, chilling and watching shows it's kind of like quarantine for the most part but without the teaching aspect since they'll you know there won't be much teaching going on since it's summertime so we'll see how that goes but we're gonna go ahead and wrap up this episode of a sensi fan talking um just watch out for that next episode drop next week and until then as always remember life is good check you out next week peace Thank you.